Hey everyone, Abel here, and in today's episode, I'd like to talk about my recent mini cut. Just as a heads up, uh, this is going to be the first part of a series of episodes that is going to be under the same theme, which is my most successful body recomposition to date, because that is exactly what happened in the last about five months where I decided to really try and see what I can bring out of my physique. And there was a pretty serious bulking phase in there, which I'd like to discuss in a future episode. And then there was also a serious cut in there, which I'd also like to discuss in today's episode. So we will talk about all of this in a non-orderly fashion. So we will start with the cutting phase, even though technically that didn't come first because there was a bulk before all of that. And so I completed my gaining phase first with high volume training. This process lasted for about four months. I got over 92 kilograms, which for me is my all time heaviest. I literally don't think I've gotten to this body weight ever. And what's pretty crazy to say is that I still had some ab definition at this body weight. And then I dieted and cut hard and at times really hard for about five weeks, getting down to about 87 kilograms while revealing an even more visible set of abs. And at this point, I'd say I was around 12, maybe 13% body fat, lean by any standard, definitely not shredded. And I'd say that 87 kilograms, so about 191, 192 pounds, is pretty good for a six foot tall person at this body fat percentage especially considering that in terms of my body frame and size, I'm really more like a five foot 10 or so person. And then I just have this giant head on top of my body and neck, which boosts my height to about six foot. So at the moment, I'm definitely bigger than I've ever been at similar body fat percentages. And at this point, the gains will probably slow down to a considerable extent. We will see how much I'll be able to get out of my body going forward. But still, my physique is a completely different material than it was about four or five years ago when I first got down to six-pack level leanness. So with that Let's start with where I was in terms of my physique, body fat percentages, and all of that at the start of my cut. I was, like I said, about 92 kilos. Body fat percentage, I would say around 18% maybe. Now, if you saw a picture of me from the front in good lighting, flexed, so while hitting a most muscular pose or something, I was still looking decent. I still had some muscle separation or some semblance of it at least. I had some blurry ab definition. The point is, I didn't look lean or anything, but I looked like someone who lifts as opposed to someone who is just fat. <laughs> now, if you caught me from the side, just moving and turning around, I definitely looked pretty chubby. So there was no question that my body fat shot up quite a bit, but I was still fairly satisfied with where I taken my physique during the bulk. Now, whether or not it was worth it to take my bulk this far, and especially whether it was worth it to bulk as assertively as I did, is a topic for a different episode. But for now, what's important is that it was time to cut for a number of reasons. For one, I think 18% body fat is a good place to end a bulk for many. You could take it further to 20 to 22% probably, but just based off of this bulk, for instance, 
at 18% body fat and after several months of eating in a surplus, most of you will probably feel like this is a great point to end the bulk. I mean, you're definitely at a point where you don't like what you see in the mirror too much. You're not very interested in food anymore. So just the prospect of continuing to eat in a surplus is just not too exciting anymore. And you're strong in the gym and everything, and that's nice, but you might also start to feel a bit sluggish. You don't tolerate high rep work well. You don't get good pumps in the gym anymore. Uh, doing pull-ups and chin-ups is getting tougher. So all in all, I was just excited to start under-eating, finally, actually. Now, my initial plan was to really make every day and week of this fat loss phase count. You know, for the first several years of my lifting journey. I spent more time under eating than actually gaining. So I really decided that in the upcoming months and preferably years, I will spend significantly more time eating in a calorie surplus as opposed to cutting. I literally set a total cap on the amount of days that I would be quote unquote allowed to be in a deficit for the entirety of 2019. And I determined this number to be 90 total days, which would be about a quarter of the year. Now with a smart approach to gaining, so an appropriate calorie surplus and not being overly fat phobic, even that is quite generous, but I wanted to give myself a bit of an extra buffer for the times when I would inevitably gain a bit more body fat, such as in the case of holidays, times of eating out more, and things like that. Now, my initial plan was to run this cutting phase for about eight weeks and simply set out to lose as much fat as I safely can during this time. Safely meaning being in the biggest calorie deficit that I can sustain without going crazy. And I knew that with an assertive approach and without crash dieting, this would mean that I'll be losing somewhere between 6 to maybe 10% of my body weight over this time frame. But things actually went so well that I was able to finish this cut in five weeks already. And in the following, you'll learn exactly how. Now, let's talk about the strategy itself. How did I actually approach the cut? Well, I quit calorie and macro tracking two years ago, and I knew from experience that choosing a cutting strategy where I'd simply eat as little as I can while managing satiety to the best of my abilities is the most effective way to shed a lot of fat for myself, period. So, to clarify what I mean here, I didn't set up a predetermined calorie deficit of 500 or 1,000 or 1,200 or some percentage drop like being in a 20, 25 or 30% calorie deficit, but instead I simply aim to sit down for each meal and eat just enough from a certain selection of foods to be satisfied and comfortably satiated and then move on and rinse repeat this process three to four times a day. Now, what this meant in practice was that I was in a really large deficit for the first few weeks of the cut, possibly as big as 1,500 all the way up to 2,000 calories on some days, which sounds crazy, but at the time, I had just finished my bulk, my body fat levels were at their peak, my satiety signals were at their all-time peak, my hunger levels were at their all-time low, and then with this behavioral approach of eating as little as I can, plus with the right food choices, eating very low calories for the first one or two weeks was actually really easy. And then speaking of those food choices, I simply looked at all my meals and replaced the high calorie items in them 
to much lower calorie variants, which by the way is exactly the first no-brainer approach I advocate for in my autoregulatory eating course when wanting to lose fat. So for example, when I would have some fatty protein source, I would replace that with a leaner variant where I had oats. I replaced that with something like strawberries, which is like a tenth of the caloric load where I had some starchy vegetable, like a potato or a corn product. I replaced that with fibrous, non-starchy veggies. And simply making three to four switches like this already cut my calories by just an enormous amount. And a key phrase I kept in mind at all times was lean protein to keep my muscle mass, fibrous veggies to stay full, and berries to stay sane. So to elaborate on this, I built all my meals around a certain lean protein source, like some low-fat cottage cheese or some type of lean meat or seafood like chicken or shrimp. And then I would add some low-calorie fruits like strawberries to get some nice sweet taste, some more readily available glucose, and just more satisfaction from the diet on the whole. I kept the fat intake of my overall diet quite low, and I think for short, more aggressive fat loss phases, this is generally a good strategy, since this way you can keep the overall volume of your diet quite high. So I tried to keep the fat content of my meals around 5 up to 15 grams per meal. So this would have meant having at least a portion of fatty protein source in each meal, just enough to keep me satiated during the time period in between meals, but not so much that it would just rack up a ton of extra calories needlessly. The structure of my diet was very simple. I ate three meals on most days, one meal around noon, another one around 4 to 5 p.m., and another one at 9 to 10 p.m., which is how I ate during my bulk as well. So two important things to pick up on here. For one, I think it's really good to have a solid diet structure down with regular meal times by the time you start out with your fat loss phase, because Eating at completely random times and having a very frantic meal schedule just sets you up for random hunger pangs, which can just mess with your cognition and energy levels, which is really the last thing you need when you're already on low calories. And then the second thing is, is that in general, three to four meals is a really good sweet spot to aim for for most people. Three meals a day can work great during cutting phases where your calories might be quite low and distributing them over four meals might make your individual meals just annoyingly small. Whereas four meals can work well during gaining phases where maybe stuffing all your calories into three meals might make you a bit uncomfortably stuffed in each meal. I have personally been flexibly alternating between three and four meals for the longest time. And during this cut, I stuck with three meals. And occasionally where I may have gotten unusually hungry between two meals, I may have added in a fourth meal. The next thing that I want to discuss here is training. So I made a couple of changes to my overall training program to make it more viable for hypocaloric eating as... As you know, your recovery ability is just generally hampered a bit when you're cutting calories hard. So for one, I lowered my training volume a little bit. And to be honest, that was mainly because I was on a very high volume routine before I started this cut. So I did close to 30 sets in the gym for most muscle groups prior to this cut, which is a very high volume routine by almost any standards. So for the final two or so weeks of this cut, I was down to about 20 sets, which at this point felt like a low volume routine for me, even though otherwise it's not. 
Now, if you're currently doing something like 10 to 15 sets per week for your muscle groups, you probably don't need to reduce that by that much, if at all, but you could drop your volume by 10 or so percent as you see it being necessary. And if you're doing anything less than 10 sets, you most likely won't need to reduce that at all. The places where I did implement changes was in my rep ranges and repetition tempo, both of which were done for injury management and as a prehabilitation tool. So I opted for slightly higher reps during this cut, not because high reps get you ripped or improve muscle definition or anything like that, but simply because working with lighter loads is just much more sparing on the joints. And fortunately, I guess I managed to get quite strong during my bulk before this cut for sets of six to 10 on many lifts. And I just didn't feel safe working with those loads in a lot of cases. Now, this didn't, of course, mean that I would have just doubled the amount of reps I was shooting for on all lifts, but I increased my rep target a little bit by two to four reps on average. So if earlier I was going for five reps, maybe now I went for eight. Or if I went for eight previously, now I went for 12. And on many lifts where my lefts were decently high to begin with, so 12 to 15 reps or more, then I didn't necessarily make changes just for the sake of making changes. So that is the rep range side of things. And then the other part of this is that I made sure that my reps are really well controlled on all lifts. So if on some lifts, maybe I had the tendency to get sloppy with the eccentric phase, so the negative portion of the lift, and I got into the habit of chasing PRs a bit too much, and now I really made sure to control every rep of every set. And I also implemented an absolute, complete zero tolerance policy on my compound lifts, especially full body lifts, which of course sometimes meant that I needed to drop the load a bit further, or that I didn't get the same reps as I did before. But this brings me to another point, which is a general shift in my attitude in how I was approaching my training. So really, instead of being fixated on what weights I was lifting and how many reps I was getting, I really only focused on A, getting in my weekly training volume, and B, on intensity of effort. So I kept in mind the number of hard quality sets that I wanted to get in on a weekly basis for each muscle group. And I was also quite flexible with that. So if on one day I was planning to do heavy chin-ups, but my elbows felt a bit sore, I said, no problem. Instead of doing heavy chin-ups for sets of six, I'll do some straight arm pull-downs for sets of 20 and some occluded bicep curls for sets of 30. And I think this flexible attitude was instrumental in not getting injured at all during this cut. And then secondly, I focused on intensity of effort or proximity to failure. So I simply set out to leave a certain amount of reps in the tank on each lift, usually one or two. So I trained one or two reps shy of failure. And as long as I, he and as long as I adhere to that, I didn't mind my loads and reps falling where they may. So I think the saying that muscles don't know the weight, they only know tension, is made fun of a lot. But I would say that it's almost entirely correct in the sense that as long as you are pushing your muscles close to failure, within one to maybe four reps shy of failure, and you get in a sufficient amount of volume across the week, you've done most of what you can do to stimulate muscle growth. All right, next thing, cardio. So 
The role of cardio is really mainly to increase energy expenditure, so burn a bit more calories and allow you to eat a bit more for a given unit of fat loss. Now, a good while ago, I got into the great habit of commuting on foot. So even on a lazy day, I would get in, say, around 7,000 steps a day, at the very least 5,000. And if the weather is decent and I may get in one or two extra walks, I may easily hit 10 to 15,000 steps a day. But then another good habit I also got into was doing some incline treadmill walking at a moderate pace before and after my workouts, usually for five to 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And I think this is a good habit to get into because if during a cut, you might want to increase your energy expenditure a bit, you already have the habit down. And then it's just a matter of staying on the treadmill a bit longer. And then secondly, if the weather is shitty, like it's been over here for a while now, then you're still guaranteed to get in some reasonable amount of steps. Now, one thing I would recommend here is to have a ritual around this that will make it more fun. So walking on the treadmill is definitely not the most fun thing in the world by itself. But if you can listen to some music or a podcast or something that you enjoy and helps you to make this treadmill walking a bit more of a flow type activity, the entire experience will be completely different. So I, for example, have three or more tracks on my phone that just tend to put me in a cheerful and more hyped up state. And then I'm listening to them in sequence while I'm walking there. And honestly, the entirety of the 10 to 15 minutes just fly by and I enjoy the whole thing because I'm in this flow state because of the music. Now, which of those three music tracks I'm talking about? I'm too embarrassed to say it verbally, but you can check out the article I wrote on this in the show description. And the final thing I want to talk about is mindset. Because as you may know, dieting is 80, maybe even 90% a mental game. You know, setting up a diet in terms of the numbers, structure, training, all of that stuff is very easy in theory. Really, basically anybody could do it. I mean, a chimpanzee could do it. But sticking to a diet and maintaining a calorie deficit for three, four, five, eight, twelve 12 weeks, that's where the real challenge is. And how you can organize the internal state of your head right to make sure that you'll actually achieve your goal is a huge topic. And I'll dedicate a separate episode to it all. But for now, I want to point out one truly key feature of a good fat loss mindset, if you will. And that is embracing the process. Or I might as well just say embracing the suck. You know, fat loss and especially fast fat loss will bring about a lot of cool things. It will make you more regimented. It will improve your discipline, your ability to delay gratification. And of course, it will make you look leaner, more defined, sexier, all that good stuff. But what a rapid fat loss phase will not entail is having a ton of fun with food. That is basically the price you pay for getting lean and especially for getting lean faster. There are many ways to tweak your diet to eliminate physical hunger as much as possible, to not have that mess with your cognition, energy levels, ability to fall asleep, many little strategies like that. But you have to come to terms with the fact that this is not going to be the time when you'll derive the most amount of hedonic pleasure from the act of eating. And I see this all the time with people that they employ diet breaks, refeeds, free meals and whatnot. And I really do believe that all of that stuff has a place in certain instances. 
But I think the problem is that many people employ these strategies with the wrong mindset in that they are trying to make something that is inherently uncomfortable, comfortable. They do two weeks of dieting, they get their first craving, they have their first day when they might get a bit hungry, and they go, ooh, I'll do a refeed, I'll do a diet break, this is getting tough. Well, guess what? You're trying to drop 1% of your body weight per week. That is tough. What did you expect? The answer to that is not a diet break or a refeed. The answer to that is getting clear on what you want and what you're willing to take on in exchange. If you want the results that you said you wanted, then you have to be willing to push through some discomfort. And if you're not willing to push through that, then that's also totally fine. Just settle for something more moderate and slower, and then you might be able to enjoy yourself a bit more. But you'll also get your goal slower. So it's an individual choice, but it's important to get real with yourself, I think. So that is what I'll say on the mental aspects of things for now. And all in all, yeah, guys, that would be my most recent mini cut. So again, five weeks of dieting, five kilograms lost, so about 11 pounds. Current body composition, about 87 kilograms, about 12, maybe 13% body fat, and we'll go forward from here. So in the next few episodes, I'll discuss how my bulk went before that, and then we'll get back to these mental aspects of dieting and how you can optimize those to make the whole process easier, more sustainable, and possibly even enjoyable for yourself. So if you enjoyed this episode of the Sustainable Self-Development Podcast, then consider subscribing to it on whatever platform you're listening from. Please hit that five-star rating on iTunes if you have the chance to do so now. I would really appreciate it. It will help the podcast grow, increase its search visibility, so I will be able to get to more people, and I will also be able to get on cool people that I can interview and provide some more value for you listening to this. So I would really appreciate if you did me that favor, and with that, that's all I have to say for today. So see you next time.